Hello, my name is Jeff Hall, and in this podcast, we're going to explore what it's like, what it takes to become and stay dangerous. I'm going to blend science and spirituality on a quest of becoming the best version of yourself, following in your own footsteps, becoming who you really want to be. Well, I become who I want to be. It's going to be a fun ride. So mount up and come go with me. All right, this is going to be part two. I've got Michael Robert with me. And when we left before, we were talking about making those choices, making the the, the choice. Remember, we were talking about it, it was the election night and, and making the choice to, to, to be upset about uh, you know, the long line, or be grateful that all of these people were involved in the process. And then you started to talk about uh, doing some helicopter something, which actually kind of sounds dangerous uh, from, from a different perspective, maybe. And yes. I say that as a helicopter guy, right? I was the Army. Right. So I, I love helicopters. So um, uh, do you remember where we were at? Do you, yes. do you remember where we're going to pick up? And, and I, I want to hear this helicopter. So, so I'm just going to let you take it, Michael Robert, everybody. <laughs> hey, everyone. I'm very honored to be here talking to Jeff. He's one of our favorite people. And I remembered this helicopter story because of what Jeff said. You really do have a choice in every moment. And it's really crucial <laughs> to be aware of messages or signs. <laughs> that come to you. So uh, I lived in Philadelphia at the time and I was flying up to Boston and my helicopter le lesson was at Hanscom Air Force Base. So I get in the plane and because I flew five days a week, you know the energy. <laughs> you, kn you know if the flight attendants are rushing around for a reason or the pilots making announcements. You become very sensitized to everyone's function on the plane. Well, they were rushing everyone into their seats. And because I travel so much, I always was bumped up to first class. And the people well, you're behind... you're a first class kind of guy anyway. Thank you, Jeff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only thing I miss about wholesaling, being bumped yeah. up to first class for free. So there was uh, a father and his daughter behind me that were going up to see colleges. And there was uh, a woman sitting across the aisle from me. Very, very nice lady. And they rushed us in. We sat down buckled up, shut the plane up, and we start down the runway. And everything is just going way too quickly to normal. We take off. Oh, my God. I'd never been in a plane where people were throwing up, screaming, crying. And... I felt so badly for the um, young woman that was sitting behind me. She was totally traumatized by this. And I, in all my flights, had never experienced it. What? As the pilot 
would give the engines more power. It felt like we were free falling and we weren't that far off the ground. We hadn't even reached 10,000 feet. It was what I thought my last flight. So much so that the lady across the aisle reached her hand out and I took her hand and we looked in each other's eyes and we really thought, well, this is going to be the last human I see because I thought I was about to bounce off of a runway in a minute. We were caught in wind shear. I was going to say, it sounds like wind shear. Yeah. And I, and I never had had that experience. I get off that plane and I say, Oh my God, I'm, I'm going to walk back to Philadelphia. I'm not even getting in. A, I'm not even getting in a, a car and helicopter lessons. I just looked up and I said, okay, God, I got the message <laughs> loud and clear. Uh, I'll cancel the helicopter lesson. Oh, so you, you never did. I never, because I felt I that was, was, that was your wake up call. Yeah, that was my wake up call. And I had to make the choice in that moment. And I, I'm serious. I said to myself, uh, you travel in a plane every day. You got to get back in this plane. You know, when you fall on a bike, you got to get right back on your bike. I had to get right back in that plane. And up until that point, there was no nervousness around flying or being in planes. In fact, I loved it. Yeah. It took a long time to get over that, but I really felt that was a message to me Okay, that, that allowed me to make the choice in that moment that seemed disappointing, but in the long haul, who knows? Yeah. So the, the wind chair kept me, from being a helicopter pilot. Well, we did, uh, I, I was a helicopter army helicopter guy and we do, we do, uh, um, what they call them auto rotation, huh. uh, which is kind of a free fall. And then you have to trust your pilots, right? Like, so if you, if, there's not a lot of glide in a helicopter, so it's free fall kind of down and they, they harness the energy of the spinning blades, um, as you free fall to actually right before you hit the ground, you you pull up on the collective and 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 keeps you from crashing into the ground. And we would do it at altitude, but it, even at altitude, it was it was pretty scary sometimes, right? Like you're just dropping like a rock. And I even knowing and trusting my pilots, and you know, I, I get to fly a little bit, and and um, everybody asks me, you know, they're like, "How was your flight?" And I'm like, completely uneventful. And that's how you want them. A hundred a hundred percent. To me, and, that's the uh, ultimate. Yeah, and and I don't. Do you know I'm an aircraft mechanic? Did you know that as well? Yes. Did you know that yes. About, okay. Uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, people ask me all the time, and and like I'll say that, and and because they'll be nervous and they'll be like, "What's that noise?" You know, the flaps will be engaging, or or you know, I I I kind of some sometimes know what some of the noises are, and and you know, I've been out of it for a little while too, so I don't I don't know everything. Um, I'm a long long way from knowing everything. But, um, you know, but I do know what some of the sounds are and what, how things work and, you know, the flaps and slats and how the airplane works. And, um, I, and I'm still amazed by it, by the way. Uh, it, it's, it's unbelievable 
You know, I've been in a C5. If you've ever seen those things, they're just gigantic. They're huge. And I know the technology and how it works. And I still, and I still don't believe it. Right. Like I know Bernoulli's principle and, and lift and thrust and, and all that stuff. And, and uh, it still seems like magic sometimes. So, but, and I've never experienced wind shear. That's, that sounds terrifying. Oh, oh my God. It took, it took a while. And I used to fly around in those flying toasters, Allegheny airlines. That was a subsidiary of us air. Flying toasters. What 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 airplane was that? Oh my God, they were who manufactured that? I don't I don't remember, but they were the squarest looking airplanes I've ever seen. I haven't seen them in years. They were very very. How many passengers? Twenty. Can you think of it? Well, I know the 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 Beach nineteen hundred. Was it, it was a 19 passenger airplane, and 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 what happened is, it, 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 I'm sure it was 19 passengers. Here's a little bit of trivia for you. Um, at 19 passengers, you do not need a flight attendant, but when you have 20 passengers or more, you need a flight attendant. And so there were these oh. airlines, these these we call it the the little puddle jumpers would have 19 passengers on. Right. And, um, I worked for United Express all the way through on my way through college in uh in indiana and i worked for united express and they would fly beach 1900 airplanes um it went engine props and um they were 19 passenger and um and there were some other ones uh uh they called them the uh, there was a metro liner that had 19 passengers uh, just small little you know yeah so so my my other funny story was and of course i ended up meaning the owner of Allegheny Airlines, uh, who invested in uh, the investment that I wholesaled, and I was just cracking up. He got such a kick because when I met him, I said, I just want to thank you for your flying toasters. And he knew exactly what plane I was referring to. I'm trying to think of what what it would be now off the top, but and I don't, I can't. But that's funny. And the really small planes that I used to go in, you had to give your weight, and this was before cell phones. So of course, I said I was ten pounds lighter than I was, and walked over to the um, uh, payphone. And I'm sitting there and I see three of the heaviest people. (laughs) And I thought, oh, my God, I have to go back and tell that lady. No. Well, it matters. I'm, I'm 160. I'm not 150. And I walked back up and I said, hi. She said, is there something wrong? And I said, no, because I'm back here. But I just wanted to tell you, I weigh 160 instead of 150. She totally cracked up and showed me the paper. She had written 160 on the paper. She said, 
Do you know how long I've been doing this? I can see the people walking up and can tell you exactly what their weight is. Well, you know, when I did it, getting through, get, going through college, we, we figured the, we figured the weight and balance, right? So we, yeah. we gave the, we gave the weight and balance to the pilots and, um, you know, based on the number of bags and, and the weight of each bag. And, and so, and, and in an airplane that size, it, it matters. Totally. Um, yeah. <laughs> so that was another message. Yeah. Um, well, I love flying, but uh, let's see what what else. It, um, we never really kind of finished the story about how we met, and I, I think I, I want to go through that a little bit more because I still remember the night that I, I walked up, and you had your wife with you, and and Julius, and you you talked. And it, it was the second night that you'd been there, and I hadn't introduced myself. And I had missed the, the first night that you were there. You talked, uh, you talked about the Oasis, and you talked about uh, the school that you that you wanted to put together. And um, and I forget what what happened that night. And I, I I did not the very first night that you were there talking. I didn't get to see you, and I was really frustrated by that, right? Like because. And then I, I had to wait two weeks to actually introduce myself. And, and you kind of um, it was after the meeting and I made sure that I had some time to because I was really disappointed that I hadn't talked to you the very first time. I, I don't know if you remember that or not. I do, because I remember seeing and you, you had wa- said something about it. Yes, I remember seeing you walked in and I said, oh, that guy's upset about something. Really? And then um, I said that to you. Yeah. Uh, the and second night, and I was, that was my hello to you because I was laughing and I said to you, oh, glad to see you're not as upset as you were the, uh, the first time I saw you. Yeah, I, I don't know why I was upset the first time. Well, I'm trying to think. Uh, that- um. It had something to do with the college that you were teaching at. There was, you know, some crazy hypocritical rule or law or something. Well, that's, yeah, that, well, that would, that would, I, I'm sure that happens a lot, right? Like this is, yes. you know, I, I, I get into these conversations every day you know we were talking today uh, one of the guys came out and, and we're doing some work out here and he, he's talking about um something and you know it comes up about how the government should do this or, or whatever and, and i'm just like no you know no they shouldn't <laughs> they shouldn't be involved in this i don't i don't need the government involved in this i don't and once again it goes back to that personal responsibility thing and, and how i feel about that right like if we're all personally responsible, and I know we gave the example in the first pod, first time I had you on in the, the first podcast we were together, um, you know, about how if if I'm living my best life and I'm doing what I need to do, nobody's got to tell me not to, to litter because I'm, I'm just not going to. Um, and and I, that's just, you know, but it's that way with with all the laws. Right. I'm, I, you don't have to tell me not to murder another person. I'm not going to. You don't have to tell me not to steal something from somebody else. I, I'm not going to. Um, and, and if we would have just all lived that way. And, and so I'm very, very much personal responsibility. And 
And, you know, in, in several of the podcasts I talk about being dangerous, and part of that is being sovereign, right? Um, and, and then, you know, that kind of gets us into COVID, for me at least. I get, still get a little triggered about that. And just being sovereign and, and, you know, free men don't ask for permission. And we don't, we also don't, um, a free, sovereign, dangerous man doesn't ask for permission. And we don't take permission from somebody else. Um, and, and so, uh, you know, I, but we had that conversation today, you know, the government needs to do, no, no, they don't. <laughs> they don't. And I, and so I get, I get, I have those conversations a lot and, and, um, he was surprised. I've got a, uh, I had a copy of the constitution in my pocket. I carry a copy with me. It's the highest law of the land, right? Like, um, thank, and we don't thank we God don't for it. it. Yeah. Well, I, I truly believe that it was, it was God inspired. I yes. truly believe that it's a, it's a divinely inspired document and, uh, it stood the test of time. And, and, you know, basically his point today was, you know, it's, it's, uh, not worth the paper that it's written on. And, and, you know, I adamantly disagree. I, uh, I, I totally disagree. So he did say that, you know, it's not basically his point was it's not worth the paper, the paper that it's written on because we don't follow it. And, and and so there was some agreement there. We do not follow it. If we did follow it, I think we would be in a lot less trouble in this country in a lot of ways. Um, you know, uh, whether it's physical responsibility or, uh, you know, just a, a lot of things. If we would if we would get back to the, the rules as they were designed by uh, by this divinely inspired document, I think we'd all be a lot better off. And so. your part in that is uh, you can vote for those people who are running for office that follow the Constitution. Well, it's, it's amazing that they all take an oath to the Constitution. And, and it's amazing yes. how, how we, the people, allow them not to follow their oath. Right. Like, how do we how do we get to that point where, you know, it's OK to, to take an oath? in front of God and everybody and then blatantly disregard it and, and stay in office. And, and how about this and get reelected <laughs> over I, uh, and over and over. Yeah. That's uh, that's amazing to me. Um, and I think it's just because we don't teach it. So obviously I was, I was, I was teaching uh, and, and I have taught the constitution. So it's, it's funny that you mentioned I was upset by that. The, the first night that we met or the second, or the first night we met, you thought I was upset or something. Um, but I, and I didn't know that that was only because I was reading your face and your energy. Yeah. Not that, not that your actions were anything but a hundred percent gentlemanly and nice, but I could see it. Well, you're, you're pretty intuitive. <laughs> you are, you are actually, you're very intuitive. Um, and that, yeah. So. Hopefully nobody else noticed I was. No one else knows. And I do, I do get frustrated, right? Like I do get frustrated with the hypocrisy and, and, you know, I have a set of rules that I try to live by, right? Like I'm trying to become the best person I can be. I, I follow the, I, I follow the, the rules that, that I believe that we should all follow, uh, the highest law of the land and things like that. Um, and, uh, I, I expect that from other people and, and I'm, I'm frequently disappointed. And I've gotten a whole lot better at um, instead of getting frustrated and angry, 
uh, I get saddened and, and, and disappointed and, and kind of double down and go, you know what? I, I get to do even more. I just got to shine my light all the brighter. And um, exactly. we, talk, we talked a little bit in the first one, and, and I wanted to bring this up again because it's amazing to me. Uh, we talked a little bit in the first time, uh, the first episode with you about how um, that you just set the example. And it was amazing to me how kids who whose parents smoked would be much more likely to smoke, even if they hated even and if you it, hate it, even if you hate it, it, it goes to that example versus and they're like, no, I'm never going to smoke. I hate this. Um, I hate the way it smells. I hate it. And, and yet the proclivity to smoke was so ingrained because of the example that had been set for them. And um, it was Gandhi, right? This to be the change you want to see or, you know, yes. it, it was it got. OK, I wasn't sure. Um, I, I love the the quotes and I don't always get them right. So yeah, it's just setting that example. And, uh, because it's your normal, right? It's your habit. It's, it's your program normal, right? That creates the habits. But when you realize you've chosen this journey, you've chosen your personality, you've chosen your parents, you've chosen where you were born, how you were brought up. When you can take that first step and the responsibility that you created all of this, then you can go back and say, wait a minute, this doesn't have to be my normal. This really isn't my normal. I wanted to see people smoking so I wouldn't smoke. And I needed that example and I needed to get over the normal or the feeling to break through that normal. I'm using a very simple, non-emotional, non-psychological example here with sure. the, the smoking. But the reality is with much deeper issues, everybody has had programming. Everyone has their normal. But you can make the choices in every moment. I love I not to have that normal. You can move past and let go of everything you want to. If you commit to yourself and if you stop judging yourself, assess, step back and say, Nope, this isn't my normal. And I'm not going to go back and change it but I'm going to change my relationship with it so I can drop it and let it go and move forward. Absolutely. So the, nor the normal I choose shows up for me. Absolutely. And I know, I, I know you do some coaching and, and some of the coaching that I do in, in you know, I use MER and, and um, to, to, it's hard to do that though when, when you're, your stuff is in your own way, right? Like I, I, I love the saying, you can't see the label from inside the bottle, right? Like I used to be an angry, angry guy and, and I didn't know why. And, and I didn't, at that point in time, when I'm in my own stuff, I didn't think that I was doing that. And I was, I still was, but you, it's hard to see that. You don't, you don't think that. Um, and it, it's really, 
it, it's really hard when you have that baggage and you have the old programming and, and it's hard to, I, I, I like the, I like the phrase scratch the record, right? Like uh, right. nobody knows. Actually records are coming back. So maybe younger. younger no, people. Julie, yeah. Julius knows turntables and records. Cause he was really mad in this last move. I moved that stuff three times and I got rid of it. He was, oh, having, no. he was having a fit. Well, it's all coming back now. It's, like it's all coming back. That, right. right. Like that, that, that scratch. But so I was going to say, nobody knows what that is anymore because everybody's got MP3s. But yeah, you do know, like if that, that programming is the record and, and, you know, you can, you know, it's just, it's just vinyl, right? Like you can just scratch it and, and it takes a whole new track. And, um, it took me a really long time to realize that I was in charge of that. Right. Like I, I didn't know that I could press my own records. Exactly. Exactly. And, and, and people don't. And, and when you're, when you're really kind of in your stuff and you have that programming, because the programming um, is, is a lot of it is done at such a young age. You don't even realize. It. And, um, and then, you know, we just don't do a good job of teaching people that, they can do this themselves. And, and I love the fact that you're doing that. I'm trying to do my part, obviously. Um, I love that you're doing it. And uh, I, I think we're going to, we're going to wind this down now. It, is there any, is there any one last thing you want to, you want to leave this with? I, I, I love to leave. I, I love to leave on a positive note and, and just kind of an action item or something. And I, I think that's it, right? Like just, allowing people to know that it's, it's true. It's not just me saying it. There's this older, wiser. He doesn't look old. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you can't see that. This is all audio. Um, there, here's this, uh, another wise person that's telling you the same thing I'm telling you that, that you create your own reality and you get to scratch your own record or change your own program. You get to do. And uh, any last thoughts, Michael? Be the hope for yourself and by doing that you're being the hope for everyone around you i love that be the hope all right well be the hope and in being the hope always always stay dangerous <laughs> sounds like all a right. great combination <laughs> um <laughs> And how do I end this? I'm trying to figure out how I can stop this. And um, Michael Robert, I would love to have you. Uh, I would love to have you on uh, again, if uh, if you'll have me. And I don't know when that's going to be, but uh, anytime, just let us know. All right. Stay okay. dangerous. You have a choice in every moment. Be the hope.